Hello, and welcome back to Infinite Quest. So as you may know by now, Katie and I both struggle with depression as well as ADHD. And this past week, our depression has really been running wild. So the tone of this episode might be a little bit different. I'm not going to clean it up too much. I'm going to leave in the stutters and ums. Because one thing that Katie and I aspire to do as well as educate people about these mental disorders is just paint an honest, accurate, raw picture of what they actually look like. At the top of the episode, we talk roughly about what we've been experiencing these couple days. Then we move into sort of generally what our depression is to us. And then we move on to tips for people who love somebody with depression and would like to support them. And we end the episode with a couple things that we'd like to say to you, the listener, if you are feeling depressed. Things we try to remember when we are depressed. Thanks again for listening. We're really happy you're here. How do we how do we start this episode, Eric? I don't know. I'm gonna find a pencil. Okay. We're doing a great job so far. Alright, I have a pencil, I have a pen. You have a pencil? I'm really proud of you that you found a pencil that fast. Like I'm in this moment hey, I have it's genuine um, respect for your pencil finding. It's all about that 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 pegboard on the wall that I always shoot in front of. That is that's not for show. I keep pens, pencils. Brushes. I didn't know all you sorts kept of stuff in there. like pens and pencils over there. The thing is, I on, I honestly don't know what I keep up there. That's that's another part of the problem. It's to, I have some stuff up there. That's awesome. Um. All right. Um. Hi, everybody. Oh gosh. Sorry. Ugh, I'm the worst person. No, I'm not. That's fine. That's the main thing. Don't talk about my friend that way. Okay. Here we go. I'm just forgot to put my thing here. I mine won't stay on my microphone, so I just took, oh, just it, took it off. It. That'd be nice to, if I discovered that I don't have to use this. Oh, just I watch should... out for those plosives. <laughs> those plosives. Those Sorry plosives. To, Sorry to anybody with misophonia. Um, hi everybody. This week's episode—I don't remember what episode number this is. I think it's twenty. Uh, this episode is going to be about ADHD and depression uh, because. Over the last three-ish days up till kind of still now, um, I've been really depressed. I've hardly gotten out of bed. Um, I'm sleeping on, like, my raw mattress, you know? There's, like, no sheets on it or anything. It's just my mattress and a pillow and, like, a blanket <laughs> that's too small. I, well, I took my sheets off my bed because I was like, I'm going to wash these. And then I immediately got super depressed and was like, I'm not going to wash these, but I'm also not going to put them back on my bed because I already took the dirty... I'm not going to put dirty sheets back on my bed, so... There's just been a pile of dirty sheets on my floor, and I've been sleeping on my raw mattress. Um, anyways, so... I hate th- that for you. Yeah, thanks. I, I don't like it either, but... You know, thanks for your support, Katie, like you, you personally, and thanks for your support, listeners, for, I don't know, being wonderful and around and listening to us and saying nice things on my TikTok and to the email and stuff. Um... Was that an intro? I don't know if that was an intro. That sounds. I don't like know an if intro. that was an intro, but I I think people appreciate hearing it. You know, that's good. Yeah, I think I hope so. Um, so this episode's about depression. Um, this is so, gonna get. This is gonna be a weird episode. It's gonna be a it? weird episode. Yeah. Disclaimer. Um, first off, uh, according to sources cited by Attitude Magazine, depression is estimated to be two point seven times more prevalent among adults with ADHD than among the general adult population. Um, and studies also sorted by ADHD magazine or AD- attitude magazine, uh, so that about 30% of people with ADHD experience a depressive episode or have a mood disorder at some point in their lifetime. Um, so the two are on paper related. Um, but they also, I think have some interesting 
just like internal under the hood interplay in a person who has ADHD and depression's head. Would you agree with that, Kadiosaurus? I'm not going to lie to you, Eric. Did I just steal your, your, your No, you just, you just went so fast. Like you went so fast into the science that I, I didn't, my brain didn't have time to like change gears. So you just like (laughs) said words at me and I like, I had no time to like, I was just like, what, what? Oh God, we're making content. Like I was so startled. (laughs) Well, I think like, I don't think this episode is really about the science. I just wanted to say that to like point out that there absolutely is a documented correlation between ADHD and depression. Sort of get that out there. Yeah. Well, I was looking at some studies too, um, when we kind of toyed around about what we wanted this episode to be. And one of the statistics that I found that was really, really interesting was based on a study, um, done in 2006, um, by a dude named, uh, Dr. Turgay. Um, and Dr. Turgay ran a bunch of studies um, and found that, and this is the part where it gets upsetting really quickly, that 70% of people diagnosed with ADHD may experience depression in their lifetime. And conversely, people who have been diagnosed with like clinical depression tend to have rates of ADHD that are between like 30 and 40%. Whoa. That is a like, yeah. So it's like if you don't have one, wow. like, it's like, it's, you know, like one or the other, but like they're both. And that's like a shocking, like 70%. That's compared to, if I remember correctly, the, the overall population average of people with ADHD is like, I think it's 4.5% in women and just it's a bit above that in men diagnosis rate. So yeah. That's like a staggeringly larger percentage of people. Yeah. And, and if you look at the rates of like, so, and then there's been all of these other studies done. And again, like we don't need to get a ton into the science, but I just, I like science cause I think it's interesting. Oh yeah. Um, but like there's been a lot of other studies done that look at other comorbidities. So things like depression, chronic depression, anxiety, like obsessive compulsive disorder. And in all of those all of those, the rates of ADHD are much higher in those people who have gotten those diagnoses or diagnoses, I believe is how the science people say it. <laughs> um, and that, that's profound, right? Like that is, I like for me, I mean, I talk, I say this all the time. I say this constantly. Like we don't talk about the connections between like the comorbidities. We, we talk about ADHD as though First off, like getting good grades in school is the end all be all of of how ADHD affects your life. But then when you start looking at statistics, like 70 percent of people with ADHD have depression, Um, you know, eating disorders, addiction, sleep disorders, like sexual dysfunction, the uh, like all of those other things. And they're all related in some ways to depression, like depression affects your sleep and your sexuality and your, whether or not you use substances to cope, like they're all so tied together, but the conversation still is like, well, my seven year old won't, you know, do his reading homework. And I get so frustrated. Yeah. I think it goes to that insidiousness of these, of ADHD and depression that we've referenced before that, it gets characterized so much by, I, I don't want to immediately go into like the media, 
but it gets characterized so much in so many ways as this school disorder that affects young boys that makes them, you know, uh, rambunctious and loud yeah. and won't do their reading. When it, it's in fact, it has its fingers in so much. It has its fingers in, in eating disorders and sex and, I mean, incarceration rates. Um, oh. it's, it's insane. And the fact that it's characterized as this sort of, honestly, in a lot of ways, a lot of people think of it as sort of being funny. Like, I remember there was a, um, uh, the, do you remember the movie Accepted with Justin Long? No. What? Oh, there's this, so there's this movie called Accepted that came out okay. I don't know, just over 10 years ago. With Justin Long and Jonah Hill. It's oh, a comedy movie. Oh, they like made their own college? Yeah, they make their oh, own college. Okay. And the, is that like like underwater basket weaving or something, <laughs> right? I, like, I vaguely remember this. Okay. Well, it should have I mean, been. I'm sure it doesn't matter, but. Well, so there's this, basically, yes, it's a, it's a great movie. You should definitely watch it. Um, but there's a kid in that movie, or there's a character in that movie who has ADHD. I think he calls it ADD at, at the time. Um but he's, yeah, his whole character is that he has ADD and he's, he doesn't sit still and he's like vibrant. He's, he's just this caricature of ADHD. Um, and I think stuff like that really detracts from the attention or d- detracts from the importance of paying attention to these comorbid- comorbidities that come up with it. And it makes perfect sense that, that these comorbidities would come up with ADHD, particularly depression. Like my depression started really early. Um, and it started looking back largely because I wasn't performing the way that I wanted to in school. I was probably, I think I was 11 the first time I told my parents that I wished I'd never been born. Um, but I think the ADHD, the, I noticed all of my, you know, my classmates could sit there and quietly read or all of my classmates had better penmanship than me. And all of my classmates, you know, didn't feel the urge to make a joke every, you know, time they possibly could and get as much attention as possible um not that those things are directly related to adhd although some of them absolutely are um but that bred my depression where i became so insecure about the way that i behaved or the way that i wished i would behave um that i started combating my i I guess my class clowniness Mm -hmm. with depression i would basically in order to try to stop myself from talking a lot or fast or loudly um, or getting excited, I would recede into myself because I had like taught myself that that was a bad thing to be. And so I sort of, that, that's when like my depression met my ADHD and they were like, oh, hello, ADHD, I'm depression. Oh, hello, depression, I'm ADHD. This is going to be the beginning of a long and beautiful friendship. Well, beautiful to them, I suppose. Although I do try not to, to think of them as being malicious, but sometimes it's hard. It's the worst Pixar movie pitch ever. <laughs> they did exactly that movie, didn't they? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like, something pretty close, it's, I think. It's called Outside In, I think. Yeah, that's right? it. That's is that what one. it's called? No, it's that's called right. Inside Out, I think, right? Oh, is it? It's called, no, it's called Inside Out. I was, I was being hilarious. Oh, were you being a silly goof? Were you being, being a funny. silly goofball? That was really that's funny. Cool. You're a really fun guy, Art. <laughs> Super funny. We're crushing this episode, I feel like. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. This is quality content. Well, what's your experience with it? I mean, you, I, I, I don't want to speak for you, so I don't want to like contextualize this question, but what do you, what's your experience with depression and ADHD? Did you learn about one before the other? What, what's up? I mean, it's actually really weird. Like, my relationship to my depression is really weird. Um, and I, 
I actually have been thinking about it a lot today because the video I posted earlier, but like I spent most of my childhood just thinking that everybody else felt the same way I did. Like Mm. everybody else felt the same way. And I think that has been the hardest thing to unlearn and the hardest thing to realize and the hardest thing to, I think, almost accept sometimes, like even past the ADHD diagnosis, because like I get like angry, I get frustrated that like nobody caught it and that like, you know, my life could have been very different. But I think the harder thing is the depression. Because I just know it never got treated. It never got dealt with. It never got acknowledged because nobody told me that it wasn't normal to want to die. Like nobody told me that it wasn't normal to just be sad all the time. And to, and then also like to even further complicate it, like my depression doesn't necessarily manifest as like sad. My depression manifests as like numb, disinterest, lack of motivation. You know, I stop taking care of myself, but I also have ADHD. And so like, I'm always messy anyway. I'm always disorganized anyway. I'm always struggling with basic tasks anyway. And so a lot of the times, like my, my experience with both at the same time is so just sort of like linked and like this vicious, vicious cycle of I'm depressed. And so now my house is dirty, uh, but now I'm not depressed and my house is still dirty. So like, what's the fucking point? Like, why do I try? Why do I bother? Like it, and it sucks and it's frustrating. Um, I kind of got off the point, but like, I don't know, like I, I really struggle with it because now I'm an adult and I have like adult responsibilities, but like there's part of me that just like knows that I'm not okay. You know, like there's part of me that just knows that, but it's really, really hard to unlearn 30 plus years of like you just need to suck it up. It's really, really hard. And that is something that I've actually been struggling with like a lot lately, like a lot. Was that an answer? I feel like maybe that was an answer. I don't know. (laughs) That was an answer. I remember the time I was in my therapist's office when I was like 15. And yeah, I remember that moment where I said to her, well, yeah, of course I wish I wasn't alive. Like, do you not like, do you enjoy this? What? I mean, come on, sort of like this, whoops, you know, like I, I was fully expecting her to just be like, I know. Right. And she was like, Eric, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I do like my life. Like I like being alive. What do you not? And I was just matter of factly, just no, what are you kidding me? Like, sure. I like some things. I like certain movies and TV shows and I like eating blueberries. I like blueberry. I, I still like blueberries. Um, but like generally, no, of course not. Like if I could snap my fingers and never have been born, of course I would. Would you not like what sane person wouldn't? And yeah, that moment we're realizing that not everybody feels this way. It's, I mean, I, I feel like I should have better words for it because this is a podcast, but it's just fucking strange 
to look around at other people going like, holy shit, like this person enjoys stuff. This person likes being here. This person is, has a life that they wouldn't, you know, that they, they're glad that they were born such to have. And that still like blows my mind sometimes when I'm in my darker moments that people can have such immense pain, but it's still apparently worth it for, you know, the joy that they've created for themselves. And I acknowledge that that's true. And I, I, I try to exist in the awareness that that is objectively true. I'm aware that I am capable of creating a life for myself such that even the worst moments will still be worth it. Um, meeting you uh, actually lent pretty, pretty strongly towards helping towards, towards that goal, by the way. So thanks for that. Um, no, really. Um, but maintaining that awareness is really hard. Um, and so just to sort of to explain what depression is to me, I think it might be useful for us to describe like what depression is to us specifically, because I think a lot of people who don't have depression think of it as like being really sad, which I guess to some people might be true. Um, but just to contextualize what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I think we just like our ADHD tends to manifest differently. I think we also have different manifestations of depression. Like I think our symptomaticness, that's how scientists say it. Symptomaticness, that's, that's just science and good, um, is different enough that I think that's actually like a really interesting conversation. So like, what, what is yours? My depression is, God, I've been thinking about this for three days straight and I still, it's, it's still just hard to say, I guess, because it feels like etching it in stone, especially when you're recording. Um, that's people who listen to podcasts like that a lot. When you reference the fact that this is a podcast, they like that. (laughs) They really Um, do. Uh, my depression is one, it's, it exists out of time. It's not aware of any future. It's not aware of any past. Um, it's just there's a black wall of nothing in front of you, to borrow a phrase loosely from Stephen Fry. Um, and there's nothing behind you. Like, this is all there is now, is this feeling. That's it. There's nothing. Um, and there is no understanding that this will pass. There's no understanding of time passing or that, you know, I'm capable of feeling any different ever. It's just this is all there is now. And every second I spend alive is going to be spent feeling this way from now until the end of time. Um, so the, 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 the anachronistic quality of it, um, I think, is important to bring up. And then also, uh, this is something that I think is important um, for people without depression who, who know and love somebody who has depression to know, um, is that there is nothing that I can conceive of in my depressive, depressive state that would bring me pleasure. Nothing. There's nothing. Nothing is worth the effort of moving. Um, so if I'm in bed, which I likely am if I'm depressed, even just rolling over in bed is not worth the effort. I'll just lie there and, and not move. That's not worth the effort. Um, I've heard this called uh, anhedonia, you know, the, the, the concept of not being able to feel pleasure. And so a lot of times you'll get self-help people or something. Um, well, I don't want to just clarify it that way because that's sort of cynical. But a lot of times people who mean very well, you know, the loved one of a person who's experiencing depression um, will say, do something you enjoy. You know, you really like 
playing music or you really like, I don't know, making little models out of coffee stirs. Uh, and that may still be true that they, they do enjoy that thing, but it is for me, and I don't want to speak for everybody else, but I've heard a lot of people say this. It is inconceivable that there is anything that could bring me joy. My favorite things to do when I'm not depressed now are just effort. There's, it's all just effort. There is no pleasant activity. It's just effort. Um, and so just nothing is worth the effort. Why would I get up from this chair? Um, and so that's roughly what it is for me. Is it's, it's a complete lack of understanding of, of how time is passing. This is all there is. This is all there ever will be. And two, there is nothing, nor will there ever be anything that could bring me joy ever. So I might as well just main, be as numb as possible and try to just make the rest of my life tolerable in whatever possible way I can, whether that's substance abuse or becoming addicted to something um, or I don't know, it's or, or, or I, I don't know. I mean, that's, this is the dep- depression episode, so I feel like it's okay to to stumble around and mutter (laughs) but but so that's that's basically is it's the anhedonia of not understanding that things can give you pleasure and the complete inability to conceive of this ever passing is kind of what it is to me that's a really good answer i hope so what is it uh what is it to you because i think you know we've both been around each other when we're depressed and i'm curious what what is it for you oh it's weird because i want to say weird but the thing that i think is interesting and i think this has to do with personality as much as it has to do with like symptomatic depression is that i worry so much about being an inconvenience to everybody else that even in the throes of my depression i will actively do things that make my depression worse if i think it makes the people around me more comfortable Mm. and that is a really like i know that's not healthy and i know that it's a bad habit but it's something that I do a lot um, because my depression, it's funny that you said a black wall because mine tends to feel like static. Like hmm. that is what my depression feels like. I feel like if the world is like vibrant color and, and you know, the world is most of the time, you know, I get the world in vibrant color. And then there's like these days where everything sort of goes gray and staticky and i literally call like i've personified my depression as like a gray cloud and like so i'll I'll refer to it as like i'm having like a, a gray cloud day or whatever um but i feel like i've i force myself to fight through that static and i force my way through that gray cloud in order to like perform normally and then it just gets worse um and that's something that's like real and once i started realizing that i was doing that i started working a lot harder on like not doing that which is like oh brilliant don't do the thing that's not unhealthy like healthy what the fuck was i talking about jesus christ (laughs) you're talking about uh the gray cloud and then how you put forth effort to perform in a way that you think of as being like sort of normal or business as usual, such to not inconvenience other people. Look at that. You remembered all, I'm really proud of you. I definitely forgot to take my meds today. It's fine. Um, again, she said, (laughs) a shining bastion example of take your meds, everybody. 
Take your meds, Katie. Yeah, take your meds, drink your drink some water. Um, oh, but anyway, so like, because for me, like my depression manifests as sort of like the static. And so like, it's a lack of focus. It's a lack of interest. It's fatigue. And it's like a general sort of like, I don't want to say like existential dread, but I spend a lot of time thinking about just like the fact that like everyone I know and love is going to die and that's upsetting, you know? Um, and so, but because it's like fatigue and lack of focus and lack of motivation, which already shows up in my ADHD, I feel like I have to go harder. I feel like I have to prove myself more. I feel like I, you know, I can't just lay in bed, you know, so I'll, I'll go completely in the opposite direction. And so for a really long time, actually, when I started going to, to therapy, there was a really long sort of process where they thought that I might have bipolar, but, but it, because they're like, my therapist was like, well, you're, you're manic, you're manic right now. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm just acting like it. Because like, that's my reaction is fuck you brain. If you're going to be sad, I'm going to be happy as fuck. Fuck you. And so like, that is what I've done for a really long time is to balance out the scales. And so like, it was funny because when I was on, um, mental illness, happy hour with Paul Gilmartin, shameless plug. One of the first things he said to me was like, well, you seem really happy. And I was like, that's because I was depressed as fuck that day. And so I went into this interview being like, hi, I'm Katie Asloris. And thanks for having me on famous Paul Gilmartin. When in reality, I was just like, I'm awful. Everything is awful. I hate this. I, I, everything is terrible and I want to die. Um, and so it's like, that's a perfect example, you know? And like, yeah. Yeah, I think part of the, the, not to use this term too much today, but the insidiousness of depression is that it wants nobody to know that it's there, it seems like. Um, it's, it's, it wants to hide itself from other people. Almost like a... Like, do you, ever, do, you, do you ever play the game uh, Pandemic? It's a Flash game on the old internet. Yeah. It's, it's a game where basically you design... A disease. It's a uh, sick board game too. Oh yeah, we should play that. Oh my gosh, we should totally play that. Um, I've, got, I've got an extra copy of the Legacy version. If you want to play Legacy Pandemic, sometimes I definitely want to play Legacy Pandemic. Um, but so the, anyway, the, back to our the the Flash game is you basically design a disease such to take over the whole world. Hashtag relevant. Um, and the best strategy in that game was to develop a disease that was basically secret that no that had no visible symptoms um that way there would be no precautions taken by like the world that you're playing against such to stop it such to combat it and depression seems to be kind of that way um in a lot of people it wants to convince other people that it's not there it wants to convince the person who has it that it's not there sometimes oh, um, yeah. I mean, and that's that, terrifying yeah i mean that happens to me all the time is like that's like for me like that's one of the hardest things it's like my depression convinces me that my depression is not real yeah and that i'm just faking it for attention or that you know i'm just being over dramatic or any other thousands of reasons and then i have to actively remind myself like no you have a mental illness and it is lying to you which is 
very surreal sometimes. Yeah, it really is. It's like that saying of the the uh, the worst thing or the bottom of the full the actual saying, but the 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 worst thing the devil ever did was convince people they didn't exist. <laughs> um, I think depression is a lot that way, and and depression is in a lot in much like ADHD. Um, depression can disguise itself to the afflicted person as a moral failing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Somebody, when we were taking questions for uh, our the last episode, the Q and A episode, um, somebody said a question that really struck me that I did not know how to answer. Um, they asked the question, "How do I know if I have ADHD or if I'm just lazy?" And I don't have an answer. That's a terrifying question because i believe there is such a thing as lazy i don't think the word lazy means nothing i think there's such a thing as lazy um so where's that line because sometimes like i am sometimes just lazy like last night um my roommate and i uh ate meatballs my roommate i posted a tiktok about how i was depressed and my roommate was like hey she reached out she was like hey let's let's have dinner tomorrow let's have like a cleaning party and we'll get our shit together and we'll eat dinner and it was really nice um and then after dinner she did the majority of the dinner stuff. And so like in my new England upbringing, if you don't cook, then you do the dishes. And so <laughs> that's just what you do. And so there was, there were like four plates. There were, well, there were three, there were two plates, a pot, two forks and two spoons. And I said, I'm not going to, I said out loud, like I promise I'll do these, but I'm not going to do them right now. Um, and I was walking away from the sink and uh, like I was fully ready to blame depression or blame executive dysfunction. And in Z indeed, those things were absolutely working against me. But I was like, no, nah, just I'm also but there's also some laziness going on here. I like I can muscle through the one minute that it would take me. And so I turned around and I did this very small amount of dishes. Um, I for actually it's worth. I'm very proud of you for doing that. Thanks very much. And boy, was it nice to wake up this morning and there not be dishes. Oh, boy, that was great. Um, so I think the question of what does laziness have to do with all of this is a really a terrifying question to address because one, depression, ADHD are real. They're not just excuses for laziness. Like definitely, of course they're not. Um, but that's one of the tools that depression, when it's being malicious, depression and ADHD, when they're being malicious, that's one of the tools they have in their arsenal to convince you that you're just a piece of shit. And if depression can convince you that it's a piece of shit, it can fortify. Um, and so I think it's important to understand that laziness is a thing, but it's not depression. Depression is another thing. <laughs> depression is not just unchecked laziness, which is what it often tries to convince me that it is. Yeah, I, I agree. I also am just, this is like a weird place to bring this up but like what should we talk about for the rest of the episode <laughs> <laughs> well i have a couple ideas I, I i think honestly in the opener you listener will have already heard this but I, i'm gonna make the intro saying like hey this is gonna be a little bit less polished than usual because <laughs> i think you know when we're talking about hygiene and sex and stuff that's one thing but i think when we're just talking frankly about depression or ADHD I think it's important to leave in the rawness of it and, and yeah. be like hey this is really what it is I agree um, I mean do you ever feel I don't want to say like guilty because it's not the right word because I refuse to feel guilty about it but like 
I have this like weird, I always feel like I, I'm living this crazy double standard where like I get on TikTok and I make these videos that are like super reassuring and super like you're not broken and you're not alone and they're funny and I pretend to be Mr. Rogers and I, you know, and I just do like dumb little things because like they make me happy and they, and they make me happy and I think maybe they make other people happy and like I enjoy doing them and I have a good time. But then there are other days where like, or even I would say like afternoons, like I woke up this morning and I felt pretty fine. Um, but like as the afternoon has gone on, like this day has just gotten like harder and harder and harder. And so like, I just, I don't know, like I always feel like this guilt or like I'm, I'm somehow complicit in the lie that like I'm okay and I'm misrepresenting me and I'm misrepresenting who I am. And I like, I never know how to navigate that because like, I loved the video that you posted. I loved that video that you posted about like not being okay. And I've, I've posted videos like that before, but like, I don't know, like I, I feel such like a, to use a phrase that you already said, like, I feel such like a moral obligation to present myself as like happy and put together and okay because like I don't want to be a disappointment and I don't want to let people down and like I I don't want people to feel the way that I do and like now I'm gonna fucking cry on my goddamn podcast but like that's like that's the thing is like I just I don't want people to feel like this because I hate it and I wouldn't wish it on anybody and so like I never know how to navigate that I never know how to um, navigate those feelings of like, I'm actively doing something wrong by not talking more about how hard it is, but by talking about how hard it is, it's a downer, you know, like I feel bad that we're doing this episode. I'm like, should we even, I'm sitting here ranting into a microphone and I'm like, should we even fucking record, like publish this episode? Like, is this going to be like too much? Because I feel like we're like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Just ignore me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Katie, I, for one, that's, that's five bucks in the sorry jar. Um, You're going to be so goddamn rich. <laughs> well, I think, I don't think it's true that being a downer and, and being helpful are mutually exclusive at all. I think a lot of times I have been helped by seeing somebody do something that I'm sure they didn't think was helpful. I what think, well, I think being frank and honest and vulnerable is intrinsically helpful because it lends whoever sees that the, a permission structure to be vulnerable and raw and honest themselves. Yeah. And so it's certainly one way to be helpful is to, you know, put on the act and try to be entertaining while also being educational and all that. And that's all genuine. Like, I don't, I, I, I hope you don't think of that as being ingenuine because ultimately I, I know you, Katie, and I know that your incentive is to be useful and helpful to other people, almost yeah. to a fault. Um, it's becoming a problem. <laughs> but that's not the only way to do it. Um, being raw and being yourself, even in even those dark moments, lends a permission structure to other people to, to, to accept themselves and, and understand that that's okay. Uh, 
and also I, I don't think so I don't think it's dishonest to even when you're feeling bad, when you're feeling depressed, to put it on for a second and record a video or to say to somebody it's going to be okay, even though in that moment you're not entirely sure, but you know intellectually that it will be. That I don't that's not dishonest. It's not your obligation to share how you feel exactly all the time. I mean, modern society would collapse if that's what we did. <laughs> um, but it is, it is helpful if you do decide to do that. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I see where you're coming from, and I feel that way a lot, too. Like, when I, you know, when, when I'm going through, like, major depressive episodes, and I'll post, like, one video of me saying, like, it's all going to be okay. Um, I'm not lying. I know that it's all going to be okay. Like I, 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 I've saved that in my memory bank that that's true, but my entire being is trying to convince me that that's not the case. Um, but it's I'm now I'm now I'm 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 spinning a little bit, but that's okay. I think that, we that, both are today. This is a unique experience. Yeah, that's just to say that it's not dishonest to be any way. I mean, if I, I, I know for a fact that your intentions are always good. And that's not something that you could hide even if you tried. I mean, you're a damn good actor, but <laughs> you, you, you can't hide that. You're, you can't hide your good intentions. Oh, thanks, Eric. Oh, I, ha- I, have a, I, have a, I have a real question for you, and this is a funny question. What's that, This Katie? is a real honest question, because this is something that I struggled with as, like, for a really long time. I was like, so, you know, we've been sitting here, we've been recording this podcast and like, we're making each other laugh. Like, you know, not like uproarious because you're not that fucking funny. Don't get a big head about it. (laughs) But like, we're laughing and we're like, we're having a good time and we're having a conversation. And I think like, one of the weirdest things for me was realizing that I can laugh and be horrifically depressed at the same time. Mm, you're here and like i wish people talked about that more like i wish people talked about the fact that like being depressed is not just being sad and i think it also goes sort of along the lines of like you know all comedians are the saddest people you know but like i like i always feel weird about it i always feel weird about like oh we're recording a podcast about depression and i've been laughing in the background like people aren't going to believe that i have depression like people aren't going to believe that i'm struggling because i'm laughing and i just think that's such like a unique depressive thing of like not like your depression being such that like you you don't even want to give yourself the permission to feel those occasional moments of joy because like, but I have to be depressed, completely depressed. And it's like, that's just not how it works. You know? Yeah. I think there have definitely been depressive episodes that lasted longer because I, you know, I was, let's say, uh, I'm with my family, uh, and we're on a, we're doing a thing and I'm depressed. My whole family knows I have depression. Um, so it's not like a secret, but so I'm depressed and, you know, we have protocol. Um, but then something will happen. Usually somebody will make me laugh and that'll like jar my head enough to where like I can open the door a little bit to maybe get out of it and I can go, Oh, 
like I start to feel joy a little bit again. But then I like go, nope. And I shut the door because I don't want them to feel like I was lying. More, I do that too. Like, and also I'm just realizing <laughs> in this, in this very moment, I don't want to feel myself like I was lying. I don't want to feel like I was lying to myself that whole time. Like, Oh, it was just that easy. Somebody made a fart joke and now, now it's done. Like, and that's just, I, 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 God, it's just what a dick move depression. What a dick move <laughs> to be like, Oh, I, I, I don't know. I'm just realizing I did. I, I do that all the time. I, I decide to, to not decide, but like I, I tip the scales towards remaining depressed because I, yeah, I want people to not think that I was just lying that whole time because I didn't <laughs> want to talk or something. No, no. That's so weird that you do that. I feel genuinely less alone and like a weirdo in this moment. So thank <laughs> you for telling me that. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the middle of the episode. Thanks for making it this far. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our newest Patreon subscribers, Virginia, Abby, Jesslyn, Elizabeth, Corey, Califia, Beth, Louis, Mickey, Aryan, and Crystal. Thanks so much. If you would like to become a member of our Patreon and get access to some exclusive content, as well as help support Katie and Mai's goal of educating and advocating for mental illness, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash infinitequest. Every dollar goes towards our dream of being able to do this full time. We really feel that we found our purpose talking about this kind of stuff, and it would just mean the world to us if we could dedicate our lives to it. Right? Thanks so much. Without further ado, back to the episode. So we're kind of talking about like our experiences with depression and, you know, because I, I think those are important conversations to have because I think the, the experience of living depression is not one that we talk about a lot. We talk about depression in like a conceptual way. We talk about like the symptoms of it or whatever, but we don't talk about the realities of like, sometimes people are going to make fart jokes and you're going to laugh and still want to die, you know? Um, but like, so if I'm listening to this podcast and, you know, my partner or whoever has depression, like what advice would you give for somebody who is wanting to support and like doesn't know how? Because it's hard. It's really hard to support a depressed person, I think, in the way that you might support somebody with like ADHD. Like it's different. It's a different mm -hmm. set of challenges. It's a different set of it's like a moving, constantly moving target, I think. But like, so what, what do you need? Like what helps you? That's a fantastic question. I, I think depression is, is sort of in a, a realm of its own in terms of how to support somebody with it. Because when, let's say my ADHD, if, if, if one were to ask me, how do I support you, Eric, with your ADHD? Um, I'm capable of saying, oh, well, you could remind me to not forget my keys. Like I, I, I have my, my brain is functioning in a way that I can still ascribe value to things that I need. Like, oh, I forget to eat. So if you could every once in a while hand me a banana, that's that's great. Um, but depression is I, I, I like we say this all the time, but I always mean it. I don't want to speak for everybody. Um, but depression is often such a thing that. the person who has depression or is experiencing depression is, is in a depressive episode. 
they have no fucking clue what they need at all. It just, it couldn't possibly occur to them. Like, that, that anhedonia, like, if somebody says to me, if I'm depressed and somebody knows that I'm depressed and they say, hey, do you want to take a walk? No, I don't want to do anything. Like, do you want to watch a movie? No, I don't want to do anything. I would like to not be alive. That's what I, that's the only thing that I want. So understand that the person who is depressed likely doesn't know what would help them. They're not always just being dismissive of the question. They genuinely have no idea. Um, so the advice that I would give is when you see your partner, the, the person you're trying to support, when you see them enjoy something, um, whether it's watching golf or, or watching stand-up comedy or whatever, when you see somebody, just sort of log that in your head. Of that's a low effort thing that this person enjoys. What this they enjoy this movie, they enjoy this podcast, they enjoy drinking hot chocolate. Log that because when they are depressed, they're not going to remember any of that shit. They're not going to remember that they enjoy things. And so rather than sort of asking, like, do you want to take a walk? Do you want some hot chocolate? What do you want to watch? Just put one of those things on. Just put on stand up comedy. Like, if they're in bed or something like that, just, like, take your computer. They'll, they'll shut it if they don't want to watch it. Like, don't, don't force them to. But just make it happen, because they're likely incapable of making those types of decisions or figuring out what they need at that time. Um, so I would say, try to have, like, a log of things that... Low-effort things, that's important. Um, something they don't necessarily have to get dressed or out of bed for. But low-effort things that they enjoy that you can just sort of give to them. Like, here's Dane Cook's Comedy Central Presents special, or something like that. Or here's Caddyshack. Um, I made you hot chocolate. So avoid asking the, those questions of what do you want, because they have no fucking idea. Just provide them with things. But again, don't, don't, re you know, don't remove their autonomy. Don't force them to watch something. You know, if, if, don't put the laptop across the room so that they have to get up to go close it you know, give them an out, but just say, Hey, I made you hot chocolate. Here's this, here's that. Um, that tends to help me. Um, so yeah, I guess just knowing that they don't really, they don't know what helps. And so perhaps just remember some stuff that they enjoy. That's really good advice, Eric. I hope. What would you say? Put a blanket in the dryer. <laughs> yeah. And if it's weighted, oh boy. I mean, because like, honestly, like I, like I think one of the things like, and this is, this is real is like, or like, here's a pro tip, Eric, you can have this one for free. Like one of the things that I am so bad at is because like, I, I generally don't feel like I like, and it's something I've been working on for a while, but I like genuinely don't feel like I'm like worthy of care and love most of the time anyway. So like, my depression will double down on that. And so things like washing my hair or brushing my hair or brushing my teeth, like I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like I don't like, it's like, that's like a luxury, you know? And so things like clean underwear or like, like warm socks, like that kind of thing. Like those to me are like those are like huge gestures to me, like somebody taking the time to like put a blanket in the dryer and like, just come give it to me like that kind of thing. Mm. Um, 
And like, because like, it's also funny because like, I actually disagree with the advice that you just gave. I think it's really good advice for you. But for me, I like, and again, like, I wish that I had words to describe this experience because it is so bizarre. But it's like, if I'm depressed and you came in and you're like, hey, Katie, I know that your favorite show in the whole world is Slings and Arrows, which it is. Let's watch Slings and Arrows. Depression brain Katie would go, Eric is just watching Slings and Arrows to humor me. He doesn't like this show. He's suffering through it. You're a terrible friend and a terrible partner for making him watch this dumb show. Like you're a piece of shit. He's miserable and he doesn't want to be here because like that's what my brain does. So I would be like really uncomfortable if you came in with a laptop with my favorite show, because like my depression would just tell me that like, you're just doing it to be nice. Hmm. And therefore I'm an inconvenience. That's, that's really interesting. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but I do that. I do want to clarify that after in my, when the advice that I gave, which is, I mean, come on, that's the important stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Um, when you put the laptop down with their favorite show on, or you bring them hot chocolate, leave after that, leave. Because oh, see, I want some, I want to be like, I want you to stay. Oh, really? Interesting. See, that's, okay. that's the other thing. Like, again, like, I think this is like a really good example of like different strokes for different folks. Like, I'm sorry <laughs> I said that. I've never said that before. I will never say that again. Um, I think you're subconsciously like, I, telling like, me what your favorite show actually is. I mean, I am. It's fucking slings and arrows. Shut up. Um, but like. Yeah, like I like I don't want to be alone, but I also don't want the burden of like I shouldn't say burden, but like I don't want the added responsibility of entertaining you. Mm. And so like if if you are just like, you know, if you just come in the room and you're like, "Hey, I'm going to watch this thing." Then like I might passively watch it with you. You know, I'm not like I don't know if I'm going to be invested in it. Mm. Um, but like, uh, the, what was the thing that you were showing me the last time? Like the, those like Vsauce documentaries. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shit like that is perfect. Just something that's like 10 minutes. It's not long. It's low stress, but I can just like be in the room with you and I can just sit quietly. I can fuck on my phone. I can, you know, I can do whatever I, what like my depression brain is telling me, or I can just sit there and fucking, you know, stare into the middle distance. But like, yeah, like I want, I just like want someone to be there to to acknowledge that i'm not alone and that yeah like just like acknowledge that i'm not alone that's really wow like i i don't i don't recant my previous advice because for a lot of people that's true sometimes for me it's true i just want to be alone because i'm embarrassed or whatever but i think not giving them an obligation be it subliminally or or um, explicitly implicitly or explicitly like for so for example if i were to come in and put on what i know to be your favorite show that i know like i know you well enough to know that that puts in your head oh eric's just watching this show for me now if i don't pay attention i'm i'm being that's a, like a dick move if i don't pay attention <laughs> but like you know something that i and I, I think i've asked you to do this katie when we're together is like if i'm in bed you can just like sit on the bed with me or like like uh, and just you'll just be on your phone and dick around and do whatever so like, which, which, which doesn't put any pressure on me to be entertaining or to pretend to enjoy a show or anything like that. It's just, you're physically there. Yeah. So I think it, it I guess it, it depends. 
on, on, on the person, which I guess would lend, I mean, given what I said, where uh, the person might not know what they need in the moment if when they're depressed, have those conversations when they're not depressed. I was literally just going to say that. I was like, next tip is don't ask these questions when they're in the throes of depression. Yeah, ask them when they're not. And knowing that it's hard to remember what it's like to be depressed when you're not depressed. And it's hard to remember what it's like to not be depressed when you are depressed. So they're, you know, just know that they're not, they might not be like like crazy specific accurate, but you'll get more useful information that way than asking them when they are depressed. Um, Or... Check in with somebody like after a depressive episode and say like, hey, what so what what could I have like when they're out of it, but it's still fresh on their mind um, because those depressive episodes, they're like lights off like there are these I'm trying to think of like a science an example from like a science movie, but like <laughs> y- y- you can't really get in there. It- it's like this darkness, but right after it, you can kind of say, so tell me what that was like do you or do you I mean consensually like say do you want to talk about it you know or can we talk about it um but yeah try to get that information out of them which sounds but but we try to have those conversations when they're not depressed such that Mm -hmm. they can use their brain effectively yeah and i think i would add to that i think that's great advice um but i would also add like understand that like it has taken me literally literally 12 years to be able to confidently unpack to this point. And like, I am not like, I don't have all the answers. I don't necessarily think that like my advice is like that good. Um, But like, you have to be patient because particularly like, I think for people who have been struggling alone for a while or struggled, struggling without diagnosis, like that kind of thing, um, they might not know what they need. And I think even more importantly, a lot of people have never been asked, what do you need? Mm. And a lot of people have never been asked, how can I support you? Um, And I think that, and this is something that like weirdly kept coming up this past week on TikTok for me, the resistance to that, the resistance to asking that question, because like, well, I don't want to sound like a weird therapy robot. That's so weird and uncomfortable. And I don't want to sound like a camp counselor. And you know, I don't want to be inauthentic, like asking uncomfortable questions or asking those type of like really vulnerable, really exposed questions can be really tough. But I think like getting over that moment of uncomfortableness, getting over that moment of like, oh, this is going to sound so awkward when I ask my depressed friend, like, how can I support you? But I think like, you might sound awkward. You might sound like a camp counselor. You might sound like a robot, but I would rather you sound like a robot who's genuinely trying to help me like during a time when I'm in crisis and I'm not okay. than like not have you ask it because you're like, that sounds weird. Oh yeah, absolutely. And having those sometimes uncomfortable conversations, you can think of it as like working out where each one of those is like a rep. So yeah. every time you do that, you're flexing the muscle of sometimes I have to have uncomfortable conversations and it'll make the next one easier. I think a lot of good could be done to society. Ha ha ha. Cause you know, we live in a society. If we, it was more, if people were more used to having those conversations. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it does a lot of good. I think it's totally uncomfortable sometimes, but I think it does a lot more harm than good. Even if it sounds awkward, you know? Yeah. 
So I'd like to, we have about five more minutes, um, finish up. We, we've, we've talked about our experience with depression. We've talked a bit about how to perhaps support somebody you love with depression, but then there are also a couple things that I'd like to just say to people who have depression, because maybe one person will internalize it and be able to say it to themselves when they are depressed. Um, it's hard to remember massive monologues or whole podcast episodes, but perhaps you can say a couple words to yourself when you're depressed. Um, but one of those things is just, yes, this will pass. I know there's that this too shall pass thing, but it's absolutely true. I know that when you're depressed, it's impossible to, to imagine that this is going to pass, but it always does. I promise it always does. That's how linear time works. It will pass. Also, you're worthy. You just are. You're worthy of it, of love. You're worthy of building a successful life for yourself. You just are. There's no weird omniscient demon keeping score thinking, oh, no, 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 this person actually isn't worthy of the thing. They, they didn't donate to the hungry children thing the last time they were at Safeway. That makes them not worthy. Yes, you are. There's nobody out there keeping score determining who, who is and who is not worthy. Yes, you are. I promise. Can, can I do one? Yeah, please. One of the things that helps me the most, and I, and I also don't want to give like a grand speech or pretend like I'm some kind of expert because I'm not. But one of the things that I think is important to remember is that there are moments of profound beauty everywhere you look, even when you are sad, even when you are depressed, even when you can feel nothing, there is so much beauty in the world. And I think if you can find those places of, of beauty and find those places of wonder and astonishment at how wonderful people can be and how good the world can be, Remembering that Beethoven's Ninth exists can be really helpful. And it doesn't have to be Beethoven's Ninth. That's that's like my thing. But it can be, you know, the way the floor gets warm in the sun or the way your dog smells or whatever. Now I'm crying. Fuck you. End of the podcast. (laughs) I love you, Katie. I love you too, Eric. Thanks for being here. Of course. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Infinite Quest. We know that most of the time we leave you on a lighter note, but this week particularly, given the subject matter, we wanted to provide some resources for those who might be struggling. First and foremost, we want to say bluntly and directly that there is no shame in getting help. There are many organizations out there that can provide help. If you are in immediate crisis, you can always reach out to the crisis text line 24 hours a day. In the U.S. and Canada, you can do that by texting 741-741. And if you're in the U.K., you can text 85258. If you're a younger listener, you can reach out to Youthline by texting TEEN to TEEN. That's T-E-E-N, numeral 2, T-E-E-N, to 839863. They provide help for people ages 11 to 21. If you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, you can contact the Trevor Project by texting START to 678-678. And if you or someone you know is being abused sexually or physically, you can contact the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network 
at 1-800-656-4673 to be put in contact with crisis intervention workers in your community. We'll also post a list of resources, crisis centers, and numbers to our website, which is infiniteguestpodcast.com. Lastly, we just want to remind you that no matter how tough things are, you are not alone. From the Infinite Quest family, we just want you to know, you are valid, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are enough. Be kind to yourself this week. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon.